Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Lift Effect podcast. I am your host, Matt McNeil, founder, clinical director, and director of human performance at Lift Effect, where we assist professional pilots with maintaining better mental health and optimizing their mental skills. The goal of this podcast is simple to help pilots and other high liability professionals and disciplines come out of the shadows to discover how we can live better lives personally and professionally. Join us each episode as we discuss various topics ranging from mental health, mental skills and performance, to business, entrepreneurship, and a few other surprises along the way. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Lift Effect Podcast. This is your host, Carl Keller, along with the man that talks about things, Matt McNeil. Talks about lots of things. He talks about things. What's going on? Hey, buddy. Hey. How are hey, you? And, uh, better now that I'm talking to you. Mm. <laughs> I, That's what I, they say. Y- yeah. Well, got to catch you right in the middle of a drink, you know? Like, yeah, I know. So I can <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very classy spill all over regards. myself. Yeah. <laughs> but um, how's the week going? Week's good. Week's good. It's hot. It's good. Oh yeah, it's hot here too. It's just uh, finally summer. Yeah, things are good, man. Yeah, we um went and uh, uh, I think I've I mentioned I'm I'm part of a, a fire department and I do some stuff in the volunteer side. Um, and we uh, had um we did for the academy their burns their to get ready for their um their final testing, and. <laughs> You know, you're in a burn, so it's pretty hot inside the building, and we had to actually call it because the temperature outside was so hot. That they, I mean, it was, uh, the, it got so hot we had to they had to call it. So it was just. Do I people mean, we get were sweating like? In oh, there. Do they heat stroke in there? I mean, well, they you, don't have get heat stroke, but you know, they they get they they get evaluated before and after each what they call evolution to make sure that they're still within um, set parameters as far as heartbeat and temperature the body temp and everything um but yeah it's uh you know it, this is the worst time of year to do those things because it's so hot outside and then mm-hmm. you're going in this building that you're you know you you're it's a controlled burn but it definitely uh gets hot in there way way hot so yeah. you're and you're wearing all this gear so you're already really warm before you go in and you just don't have it's so hard to cool down in between to get your why don't temperature they have like down. uh environmental control systems within the gear yeah <laughs> Uh, you know, think about it. when you go in there. Uh, just a uh, our gear is set up so that you can actually sit inside your oven, and not. <laughs> I'm serious, crazy. literally. It's good to four to five hundred degrees. Gosh. I mean, flashovers happen at over a thousand degrees, eleven, twelve hundred. You can't survive that. But I mean, you're in, sometimes in very short duration. You're in six, seven, eight hundred degree temps. It's uh, so yeah. But four to five hundred, and you're uh, you're. You're basically what do they, what do they wear what do they wear underneath the all the equipment well you have you have multiple layers you have a, a liner and you have a, an outer layer yeah. and it's all tested to to be able to withstand so much heat and then you wear a hood basically over the top of your head but you're not um, you're not you're wearing are you wearing pants like underneath oh yeah, that you're, just regular yeah, you pants? just have regular you have it's got to be cotton pants some okay. um 100 cotton and then you're wearing um basically a, a dual layer Mm-hmm. um with the the, the 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 it's called ppe yeah um or we call it bunker gear and then you also wear boots they're all 
rated to withstand that temperature. And then you're wearing obviously a mask and a regulator and an air pack and a helmet. It's uh, yeah. So you're wearing about 90 pounds, 80 to 90 pounds of gear going in there, and then you're carrying a hose and you may are, and 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 um, tools. And then if you find uh, someone that you need to rescue, you got to carry them. You, you got to carry them out, get them to a window, carry them down ladders. I mean, 250, 300 pound people. It's a, it's a pretty uh, uh, physical <laughs> job. Yeah, you know, and I can't man. believe I, I, I still, I don't know what caused me to think it, at the ripe young age of 58, I could do it, but I did it and somehow it, mm. it happened. But um, I went through with my son. I think I told you, he yeah. remember the bookends. He was the youngest. I was the oldest. And it's really neat. It's kind of neat to be able to give back. Um, you're helping people in your community mm-hmm. that are locals, uh, you know, or even sometimes your your own members or yourself because of, of incidents. You know, it's kind of like this thing here. It's really neat to be able to help people. For sure. Um, even if you don't know who they are. In this case, it's very local here. This is not local, but it's still really mm-hmm. just, it's a great feeling if you're incrementally helping people, it's it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it's hard but to be happy of, if you're not helping somebody else be happy. Yeah, it, it's not key. always about what you get. It's it's what you give. Yep. And I know that sounds trite and people go, oh, yeah, wait, whatever. But it, it really does. Well, the data, it, the clinical yeah. data supports it in terms of our outcomes, in terms of our health, our all of our health metrics. is comes A lot of it comes down to are you contributing something to somebody else? And, um, I know people didn't come in and on uh, this podcast to, podcast to listen to me uh, talk about that, but I tell you, it does lead into something that you and I have talked about a number of times, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm at near the end of my aviation career, uh, regardless of what they do with the age uh, increase or not. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm you know the I can see the end, but. We've always talked about, I remember when I first got in the cockpit, uh, they always talked about paying it forward by the, the senior captains, talking about and, and giving you um, guidance and advice and mentorship about what it is you're getting yourself into. And the, the good, the bad, the, the ugly, the, the, um, the, the pitfalls that, that they went through. Even though things have evolved, if I mean when they first got on, what Jesus, flight engineers, they had to mm-hmm. literally build the airplane. Mm-hmm. Now most people go, "What's a flight engineer?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the new new group. So um, to kind of get to the the chase here, this is a primarily devoted and focused on the aviation community. Although a lot of things we talk about can help others. There's. A whole new breed, young kids, younger people that are getting uh, first exposed to this lifestyle. And this would be a great opportunity for us to talk about paying it forward and helping them and talking about all the challenges that are going on. When you and I went through, there wasn't these these kind of mm-hmm. aviation academies that were nope. going on. and and um, There I mean, were, but it was not like it is like today. Nothing like this. Yeah. Nothing like this. Yeah. I mean, some countries... Like Germany, they had ab initio where they started you at zero, but you belonged, so to speak, to Lufthansa the whole right. time. You were, you were theirs, and they were, you were trained to Lufthansa way. Here, this is, you know, whoever you're going through, you may be uh, obligated to a certain carrier for a short period of time, but 
you're not a life member of you're not obligated at all nope. actually yeah nope. so let, let's can, what, what let me can i take it from that? here let, yeah. can, let me riff on that for a second because sure. uh, we lift effect uh has a um contract to provide mental skills coaching and mental health for a, a very large academy uh well i can i can say it it's it's no cae um and cae does training for southwest they do training for american they do uh training for uh foreign carriers they're it's a very big operation they're huge and we provide all the any basically cadet has access to free sessions they pay uh set they get seven sessions per year which is pretty nice that's fully covered by cae and CAE recognizes that mental health and mental skills is really important for just for people in training. And it's also offered to all of their instructors as well, even in the corporate flight department uh, sector where they're doing all the, the check rides for corporate flight departments. All those instructors have access to, to lift effect services. Let, let's just talk about the, that's a, the instructors. Is this a different thing? A lot of these are, very experienced older aviators they've flown for the airlines they're now instructors their their issues let's say or their needs are very different than the 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 students in the academies one of the things that i see and this isn't just cae but like we get calls from students all the time all around the country one of the big issues that i see with students is they they think that they're obligated to the flight school and their their mentality is that the flight school is their boss the flight school is um you know basically that is holds the keys to everything and they compare themselves to these ab initial programs this is not an ab initial program and an ab initial program means you are in the, the people that come to from other countries they are paid by that airline they're employees of that airline the airlines here in the united states like they're not doing you a favor i'm sorry i'm not trying to be critical but like they're not paying for your training the student is going out of there with hundred and thirty thousand dollars of debt which is a significant amount of debt and the airlines are not footing the bill so I know the airlines are like, oh, we're, you know, you have this, you're in this program and we're going to fast track you here. It's not that simple. And the big differentiator is they're not paying for your training. They're helping you get a loan, but make no mistake. The loan is in the student's name. It's not in the carrier's name. So I think it's, so here's the, the, the issue. When you're not the employee you have to do a lot more advocating for yourself. And a lot of the students are very scared to advocate for themselves. They feel like they have to answer and they're, they're kind of a subservient kind of mentality around the organization and the instructors. And look, it's always been that way. You know, you, you, the instructor's the one that holds the power and, and, and they're very afraid. But this is leading to a lot of problems because now we can talk generational stuff in a second, but
but a lot of the complaints that that older generations always have of the younger generations is the kids today are lazy and they're entitled and they don't know and they they expect the world and everybody wants a participation award and we'll get to that in a second but there's a backside to it as well is that the kids today are don't know how to advocate for themselves so you end up seeing cases where somebody's got 80 hours and they haven't soloed yet and i'm going what is going on over there to where the and the student is on the hook for all of that debt not the academy ab initial programs that doesn't happen <laughs> because they're they're these students are employees they have benefits they're being paid if they there aren't 80 hour pre-solo they're they get fired and these academies are are not um the airlines are not paying for the training and that's a huge differentiator and the kids that are going through and i say kids there are some people that are older that are in there as well but like here's what i advise them is like you need to take your training into your own hands you need to be responsible right respond responsibility the ability to respond if you don't step up and take responsibility for your training, you very likely will be forgotten about or left behind or get stuck in the machine and just get kind of like parked somewhere. It's the same the same kind of thing happens with patients in a hospital. If you don't advocate for yourself, it it's very easy to get to become a victim of a big machine. And the problem that academies are having is they are over promising and under delivering they are saying we can train all these people and there we can do it in nine months and no you can't <laughs> you, you yes there are those cases those outliers of people that can get through but they're just trying to ramrod so many students through and they don't have the instructors and the instructors are trying to move on and you know one of the the issues this has always been the case with flight training and i don't know if it's this you know you can speak to the military but in civilian flight training, you know, the, the joke was it's it's first graders teaching kindergartners. I mean, you get your CFI, you're a student, and then you get your CFI, and now all of a sudden you're teaching students, and yeah. you don't know hardly anything. You have very little experience. And look, that system can work. It has worked. It worked for me. It worked for um, for for my generation. I'm a I'm a Gen Xer in every way. And we had to CFI, but we CFI'd for years and years and years. You couldn't get on with the carrier unless you had a couple thousand hours of multi-engine time. And and now they are baby instructors. As soon as they hit their thousand hours, they are on with the car with the one twenty one carrier, you know, on a restricted ATP. Um, and it's it's just a very different landscape. But my advice to anybody that's in flight training right now. You better start advocating for yourself. If you're not getting what you need, you need to go and and figure out how you can get what you need. Go to your 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 leads. Go to your the the chief instructor. Go to your instructor first. If that doesn't go anywhere, go to the chief instructor. But you look if this if this isn't working for you, you have every right to go in and say I I feel like there needs some something needs to change because I'm not progressing at a rate that is acceptable to my financial well being. Yep. You're absolutely, you know, and, and you hit right on it. The difference you were saying historically, the instructors in many cases were experienced because it took a lot longer for them to get 
to the point where they were uh, acceptable for an airline. Here, these the, many cases, the, the instructors were just the students, not just mere months ago. Yesterday. And, L- yeah, and yesterday. so you're not getting yeah. that same level of instruction uh, through there. I wanted to make one clarification on something you said. There are a couple of programs out there where once you graduate and once you get on, there are quote unquote bonuses that will they will pay back in some cases hundred, hundred and twenty thousand dollars, but it it's over a multi year period. You have to get on with them. And during that period of time, from the time you take the loan, which is like you said, in your name, you're making the payments. And if you don't make it through You're, you're stuck, stuck with the go- payments. You're stuck with all of it. Yep. So the airline will do nothing. Um so you have to be really careful because it can co- cost up to a, uh, as much as a quarter million dollars, depending on who you're with. And it, even in the best circumstance, whatever the whatever aid or bonuses uh, or re- refund, if you want to call it that, rebate that the airline will give you isn't going to cover all of it. So there's yeah. a lot. There's uh, no free uh, lunch. There's, okay. Yeah. It's there's just, the allure is is yes. is kind of seducing people in without really thinking about okay. What happens if you don't, or what happens if it takes much longer, like you said? People aren't graduating, it appears, in, in a number of the programs as fast as they were promised. And so the clock is ticking. Well, and I, and yeah, I see cases where, and I'm not pointing fingers, it's still, I'm not necessarily saying CAE, but yeah, uh, no, we get calls was, from all, all over the place. And, you know, students are flying once a month or something like I mean, it's just... Yeah, they need to be flying three or four times a week. To, I mean, to, to meet the, the the timeline for the hours I, at, I did my, in the program. I did my PPL in three weeks when, back when I did it. And there are people working on their PPLs for six months yeah, it's or crazy. seven months or, or a year. I mean, it's so I, I think, you know, the and the, there are these, these young students don't know. They don't understand a, a lot of how this how this is and i think they go in feeling like they they work for the the school they're an employee they're and i'm like dude you're paying the i don't know look where i grew up if somebody's paying you they own your butt mm-hmm. but if you're paying it they don't own shit and i i there's a lot of i think for the most part the schools are doing a good job. They're they're they're. It's a tough situation that, but uh, some students, and I hate to say, it, but it's usually the ones with the weaker skills or the ones that get behind. If they don't know how to advocate for themselves, they just get rolled over. It's like they're just put in the back of the line and forgotten about. And there's a and they're overloaded with um, students to instructor ratios are horrible. They don't have enough airplanes. It's a mess. Think about the advocacy for the young instructors. There's a big pressure on them to graduate people, uh, you know, yep. to get them through. And and like you say, not everybody is at the same level. So uh, being a new young instructor advocacy is really important. Um, yes. Because you can't put out somebody that get ready, you know, put someone forth saying they're ready to go when they're not. It's a this is a very challenging environment today. For, I think for the there's going to be a lot of negative repercussions moving forward if they don't figure this out and slow the pace down. I know everybody wants to grow, 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 grow. But don't forget, you know, just a, a short few months ago, uh, there was no grow, grow, grow. It was retract, retract, yeah. retract. And it is easy come, easy go. So let's be careful here with yeah, Historically, this. the airlines have been boom or bust. They, That's, you know, this, this controlled 
growth, so to speak, is something that was is relatively new. They used in good times they used to grow like crazy and anytime the recession came, they shrank like crazy. This this is you know, I mean, and technically that's kind of what happened during COVID. There was a it is, there but there's a, this one key piece is called retirements, which yep. they have not accounted for and now And it's, it doesn't it's peak happening. until twenty twenty eight. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a big it's this it's is a not big going deal. Away so, in the near future. No. So that's uh, just that's my quick advice to some students that are in academies is advocate for yourself. If you're not getting what you need, you need to go out and ask for it because they're not just going to give it to you. There's a when you have a curriculum uh, that it's just it's a one size fits all kind of deal. But not everything is one size fits all. And sometimes you need to, but I tell them, you know, like if you're not riding in the back seat every day, and I know it's hot, you know, it's hot and in high altitudes, you can't really do that. The weights don't allow it, but you need to be hanging out in the, in the school. You need to be hanging out in the Sims. You need to be hanging out in the back of airplanes and, and observing this stuff is immerse yourself in it. And that's the way to get through it. But if you just want to just go do the bare minimum, you're, they'll be happy. To, to sign you into a loan of hundreds of thousands of dollars when and you're not making any progress because they're not on the hook for it. And if you don't live local to that area, there's all these other things. You're not in, you're in many cases by yourself. It's it's like going it's, off to college. It's there's tough. All the other there's all the other costs that you're not even thinking about. Forget just the school. It's tough. So and it's and, tough. and look, CAE was has been amazing. They recognize that the students have a lot of these their their first time away from home. Some of them are are nineteen. They they didn't go to college, and it's it's overwhelming. And then they're just like you know fire hose, and they need support. And I applaud CAE for saying we we want to invest in their in their support. I can't think of, and there probably is, but I can't think of any other um, training um, entity out there outside of CAE that's actually providing tools for their students to use as a to, to cope they're, with they're, all of these issues that's yes. just a, that's such an important and needed um uh service that all of these others really need to look at because you're right these this is they're getting thrown into the meat grinder without the real all the tools to help them cope for when the challenges come and they will come and the difference is is that the younger generation and cae really understood this is the younger generation they want to get help if they need help they're not gonna hide like the boomers and the xers they are not gonna hide and even the the z's are are are, are the uh you know the the gen z's are are uh millennials are are less apt to hide but the z's they're not gonna hide and the young generation they're like no if i want to get mental health help or i want coaching i'm going to go get it I'm, there's no shame in there and so I think the airlines better get ready because the younger generation is not married to this profession the same way that baby boomers and Gen Xers and at some level millennials, although that's proving that they're, they're, they're willing to leave. If they're not, you know, what they value is very different. They're not going to like, I will give my eye teeth to go fly an airplane and, and wreck my life so that you, so that I can go fly a jet around. That's not. A lot of them came into the, the younger people came into this career because they see it as a viable job, not because they're passionate about airplanes and this is all that they've ever wanted to do. So the airlines have taken advantage of that for for decades of pilots will do anything to fly a plane. 
they'll 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 mm-hmm. just bend over backwards so just as long as you promise them a seat in the in the cockpit you can do whatever the hell you want with them the younger generation are not motivated by that i mean i remember i remember when i was flying you know you'd invite kids to come up to the to yeah. the to the cockpit flight deck take a look i remember <laughs> once this kid walks by and and the guy I was flying with he's he says hey do you want to come up front and the kid goes nah i'm good i got flight simulator <laughs> and it's like and it was just he looks at me and he's like man we're screwed we're hosed you yeah. know like and kids it, it, they don't care it's like it's it not back in 1978 when the cab deregulated it it it's it didn't show for a long time but it's it this isn't uh it doesn't have the same allure the same no nope. um cachet that it once did it used to be it used to be wow now people go oh they're like yeah i have flight simulator i know that i I can play it and and the flight simulators are like as as realistic as the actual airplanes i mean and kids know i mean and i had i remember having kids would come up and and they'd sit and and the kid would be telling me things about this airplane that i'm like how do you know this like he would know the whole electrical system and the fms and he's like can i can i check out the fms yeah you can check he's like programming the flight plan and the kid's like eight you know it's like they are so advanced. They're just with technology and that it's not it's not novel to them. It's like they grew up with iPhones. They grew up yeah. with FMSs and Boeings and Airbuses and fly by wire and fly by light. They know all this stuff. So the airlines really need to understand that if you don't like provide pilots with what is important to them, you're gonna end up in a really bad spot. You're going to end up in a really bad spot. The the generational differences are there. You have to recognize them. And it's, they're lazy, they're entitled. That, that doesn't, it. that's low intelligence. That doesn't explain or that does not help that perspective. You have to figure out how to work with them and still work with a standard to keep safety up. And there's big issues. There's huge issues with standards. Look at the, uh, you know, now let's talk about, they've made it to the big leagues, so mm. to speak, whether it's a regional, um, national, or major carrier. What kind of, uh, how, what are the, the skills that even the current generation, if you want to say the current, uh, the captains of today, dealing with this very different, like you said, the people that came before, they they breathed and they ate it and they thought about it ever since they could remember and it, and there's a lot that today that that isn't quite the case. They're there, and and hey, it's a good it's a good paying job. But if I, if I find something better, I'm going to leave. How do you deal with the dynamic in the cockpit with such a different mindset of people coming in that aren't as focused on the aviation lifestyle as they were when they came on board? If you look generationally, like at human factors and how human factors came about and crew resource management, I mean, it used to be you know captain's authority my way or the highway and it was sort of you know serving at the pleasure of the captain which most aviators were from the military so that that was taught there and so that transition over it just carried into the civilian place and so it was kind of an easy transition led to some pretty bad things led to some pretty oh yeah running out of gas and you know i mean just don't or keep telling the captain we're running out of fuel and he doesn't care you know i mean that's recently asiana with the uh they, right. it, you know, just didn't want to challenge the captain, lose face. I mean, even right. then. 
So cult, there's cultural issues, and these are, are are serious problems. So the the you know the old days wasn't that great. I think the old days you know, a lot of people died, and it was it was not uh, it wasn't nearly as safe it is as it is today. I think that the safety issues that we're seeing now, and we can certainly talk to some of our human factors friends that work at the airlines um, and our safety people. But what's happening now is there's a, a level of inexperience that's coming. I mean, these are people with very minimal time that are thrust into positions. And look, I, whether you're at a regional or a mainline carrier, it doesn't matter. There's no difference. I, the size of the airplane does not make a difference. It's, it's the, the standard at which you are held to fly them makes the difference. And it's the same. It's, there's, no, there's no difference with that. Yes, there's more people. Um, and, but you know what, in terms of moving people, you could make an argument that the regionals move more people because you're doing more legs. Um, unless you're at Southwest, then you're just doing a ton of legs anyways. But <laughs> the, 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 the issue is, I think generationally, and this is gonna, I'm going to probably going to get a lot of heat for this, but younger, the younger generation does not know how to relate as well because they are digitally distracted and they have been i mean i see people giving three-year-olds ipads so a woman pushing a stroller down the street she had two kids in the stroller like a three-year-old and a five-year-old at the, the i'm in colorado right i'm out in beautiful like open spaces there's wildlife everywhere and she's pushing these kids in a jogger stroller out in nature and both kids are staring at i they each have their own ipad people can't drive their car without a tv in the back for kids to watch they got t tv screens like they're like it's an airplane people can't be on an airplane without t you know tvs or wi-fi they lose their mind if the wi-fi is not working because God forbid you just look out the window or just read a book or just sit and stare and think for a minute. The digital distraction is pervasive. And what's happened is people don't know how to relate to one another. And I think it's starting to infect Gen Xers. Uh, um, it's affecting baby boomers. I mean, I go out to restaurants. I was sitting at a restaurant in Santa Fe last week. My wife and my child and I were sitting there eating in a restaurant and there's like every single table, everybody has their phone out. Whether they were seven years old or 80, everybody's eating with the phone propped up against a water glass. Like two people just having their phone. I'm like, why are you even out together? It was, it was so depressing to me. I was just, I, I was just disgusted, and my wife's just like, "Stop it, calm down, calm down, you'll stop, stop it, just stop it, stop." It. I'm, I'm just like, I, I, I was just losing my shit because Look it's at like, it within a family <sighs> in the house, you know, coming to dinner, they text each other, they won't, they won't right. walk they're, upstairs, they're texting, or, standing you know, next, text. sitting at the same table, yeah. they're texting each other, like it's crazy. So what was, what is this going to do to the crew environment? What's it going to do? It's not going to do good things. Communication skills have definitely taken a hit. People don't know how to talk and, and deal with things face-to-face. -face. I think people are becoming very conflict-averse, very 
unwilling to do things because it's it's the old, the old saying the keyboard warrior people yep. will say things uh on a keyboard whether it's whether it's texting or on a chat that they would never do face to face and they don't know how to resolve issues because it's just easy just to say f off yep but, you know, go ahead say it to their right, face and all of a sudden people aren't as quick to do that it's the safety of being out of range, yeah. you know. There's no safe. There's no safe area when you're face to face where you can be. Well, safe and then and then and then, and then people say, "Oh, I don't feel safe." Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like that. I like, trigger word. I don't feel activated. safe. Yeah, I'm I'm activated. I don't feel I don't feel safe. I don't I I don't want to have this conversation. Look, there's a difference between safety and I just don't want to have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, you know, and the thing I I applaud the University of Chicago. They put out a statement that this is not a safe space. We are going to talk about hard things in classes. Intellectual rigor. We are going to talk. We're going to deal with this. You don't get to claim I don't feel safe. I want that professor fired, which has been happening, and it's yep. gone so far to the extreme of both sides that we don't even know the difference between what is like real and what is not physical safety is one thing but people Absolutely. are trying to do intellectual and emotional and it's because i don't agree with what you're saying or it runs contrary to what the uh my belief is so therefore there we can't have a conversation about yes. it or going sometimes you know what sometimes it's directive in nature and because of safety this is not something we discuss or you can't just say oh i don't feel like it and right. it is it's getting very difficult for for the especially the younger ones because that's what they've known their whole life well I and, it's, and it's difficult for the older ones to say yeah. like like look you this isn't not, that's not acceptable what you're doing right yeah. i mean it's like i don't care that you've always done it that way that doesn't mean that it's acceptable i mean so every generation has their own work to do but i think the distract this distractibility is just severe now one of the complaints that pilots have and i had this my own complaint with this i'm sure you've seen it is the the access and the speed of digital delivery has made i mean how many notums and changes in flight operations information bulletins does the company need to keep bombarding pilots with on whether it's like you know, it used to be you had a mailbox, you go to the mailbox, you pull them out, you get your jet provisions and you get the, the you know, the whatever the the information bulletins are. It was like, you know, a, a, once a week maybe or a couple times a month, but now it is by the hour. And, and the just airlines, because it's been sent electronically doesn't mean... Just right. And they're saying, yeah. oh, you need, to, you need to know this and let's well, change we'll things. You. Yeah. We'll send it. Well, it, it motivates them to just keep making changes. Yeah. And it's like, maybe stop and think before you hit the send button if this is actually what you want. Because there, there's decision-making information fatigue. Yeah. We are bombarded with text messages, with click bings and pops, and notifications to death. And the companies are perpetuating this with their, their barrage of just nonsensical changes or include it's like including all it's equivalent of including everybody on an e, on an email thread it's like you know stop including everybody on this i'm gonna tell you uh, uh i'm gonna go back to you talking about the digital addiction piece um at one particular airline a student was going through and on their check ride in the simulator um right in the middle of it the phone goes off and the student 
that's being evaluated answers it and the instru- uh, the evaluator goes you need to turn that off he says no 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 i i, I need to take this right now and he says you're f- you're 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 on your check ride. You're flying. So, well, that's how we do it now. That's how it's done nowadays. So, just, just, I'll get to you in a minute. The, it was ended right then and there, and, but I mean, that, that was the mindset. It's like, hey, this is this is normal. This is what if I want to answer it. Done? I'm going to answer it. I'm going to answer it, even though you know, even though I'm in the cockpit. Oh, so I've speak, I have seen crazy. this. I have seen this in the cockpit, a yep. taxiing. Like li- literally, bare- just getting off the runway, no and they're like <laughs> on the f- on the phone to call for the shuttle van. It's like, what the f are you doing? Put that away. Yeah. the The van can wait. You know, it's like we. But we have done this. This is what we've done. Look at go to go out to dinner and watch. Okay, this yeah. is what we've done. We've become, and as we teach, as I teach in V1, we talk about this in V1 as digital addiction, is use the technology as the tool, but if you don't, you will become the tool yeah. because the technology is designed to sell you things, especially if you're using an, a, a, an application, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, that you don't pay Threads for. Now. <laughs> right. If it's free, guess what they're doing? They are marketing crap to you for they're, you to buy. Got monetize, they're monetizing it some way. It, with your attention. Yep. And attention is the most precious resource you have. It's the most precious resource you have. And they so, can manipulate and, absolutely. and influence, you know, if there's a certain agenda, I hate to say it like that, but that we're getting off the track a little bit there, but it is, it's such no, a I dangerous... Think I think we're on yeah. track. I think this yeah. is this is a real thing that we have to... And so... The meaningful question is, is how is this impacting the environment? How is this impacting the way that we understand information, the way that we relate to one another? How do we self-regulate? I mean, they teach CRM. I teach individual resource management. That's what we teach at at Lift Effect and, and even at the V1 project is how do we start to self-regulate and be able to become more mindful of when we're becoming distracted, when we're getting suckered in and and how do we create better algorithms? How do we create better willpower so that we can create better habits that actually serve us and lead us toward the life that we want, not away from the life that we want? So there's a, so much uh, that needs to be done on this front. But we have the generational uh, uh, shifts have happened. There's a difference. And just saying the, the younger generation sucks, the older generation's too inflexible is like low intelligence. We've got to be able to figure out how to merge this stuff and create maybe some adaptive tools to counter for this. I'm I'm sometimes at a, a loss because I, I like I you know we we've talked about this in the in the um, in the context of flying, but you know I, I struggle just watching it like you say every day in my family, and and I don't see anything that's changing that. If anything, I see it accelerating. So uh, and I and I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I've seen any airline that I know of. And mostly companies in general that have got have really taken any efforts to address it in a in a comprehensive way, other than just saying don't do it. Yeah, that's that's not that's not going to solve it. No, that's not going to answer it. Right. The last thing I'm going to come back to on this issue, and we've touched on this what four, five, six times in different uh, podcasts. Mm -hmm. It's the you know digital addiction. It's that is that has been probably one of the single biggest changes that has happened in our life and in or in the last hundred years really 
uh, there have been a lot of inventions, but nothing that has changed the uh, us in such a way of having instant access to knowledge and crap. Yeah, twenty five so years. It's twenty five yeah. years. It's hard We've to believe. We've got you know things like the internet and personal computers and phones and tablets and social media and streaming. Twenty five years. That's it. Our relationship with these tools is is new, and we are in the absolute infancy of learning how to use them. So we ne we need to learn how to use them. Not don't I'm not telling you to go throw them away, but learn to use them correctly. And right now, I think it's like we've just it's 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 like we you know the it's like you went to the buffet and everybody <laughs> is just overloaded and yep. stuffed themselves. With these things to the point where they're sick they're physically emotionally intellectually sick from this so we've got to figure out how to use these tools so i have I'll my own ideas you, on that but yeah i'll ask you what where do you see this going you're right it's only been 25 years it's hard to believe where do you where do you see this going to because it's 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 continuing you know do you have any thoughts uh, this is a whole three-parter Honestly, yeah. <laughs> and I said we weren't doing any more three-parters for a while. I, I think that we need to be able to make the choice of how we use these tools consciously. So, but, but here's the deal. You got to go to the user side of things. We've got a $7 trillion industry. There, there are, and I've, you know, talked about this in V1. There are only two industries that describe their customers as users. Drug dealers and technology companies. So let's just let's reflect on that for a second. If you look at the founders of tech companies like Jobs and Gates and the people that are, you know, work on Twitter and they're dead, I guess they've, all those people left. They are very, very aware of how technology can be used and how it can be misused. And they're aware of the most important aspect we have cognitively, which I've said before, which is our attention. That's why they hire psychologists to figure out how do you capture your attention. So you, you better be able to put your attention on what you want when you want it. Think about the imp impact of that of flying an airplane. The ability to focus your attention on the right thing at the right time is the difference between a good outcome and a, and a poor one. But if you're constantly paper-cutted, if you're constantly slicing and, and dicing your attention by, quite frankly, people that understand your cognitive limitations, which are engineers that work for software companies, you're going to have a very tough time focusing your attention. And most of these technological giants, they, they won't let their kids use the devices that they invented. And they push to sell. Think that of it in like is the most telling. Yeah, well, think about it, like a it's like a preacher that's saying, "I'm going to preach this stuff, but do not to my kids. Do not follow any of these teachings. Don't. don't I mean, like, can you imagine? <laughs> that would be scandalous. This is common practice with technology companies. So th they are there to splinter your attention and sell you shit. And if you, you, so I think some education and some awareness and then some actual suggestions on how to use these things, these amazing things, how to use them to lead you more toward what you want in your life versus just stuffing your face at the open buffet, filling your face with garbage, 
which is people staring at their the whole family staring at yeah. their crap while they're eating dinner is that is i think where we have to start is through understanding how do we use these things effectively and how do we not become a tool how do we use yeah. it as a tool instead of be the tool so much of this stuff is just a series of dopamine hits it's just it's exactly it's, it's what like, it's designed it's like, to do it's like cocaine it is it's yeah. tapped into that spot that is it that it, and i mean and they even talk about tiktok in particular where they've figured out exactly how to meter just enough it's the right to, color scheme yeah, the right everything. the way it scrolls everything and you don't to, even realize it's happening no you're a victim of it yep you're a victim of it so wow we so. just went into that place but <laughs> i i, I <laughs> well, think there's the the airlines have to get their act together um you know give me a call i'll help you <laughs> <laughs> there there's a way to do this there's our there are ways that and you you know i mean we can train this stuff out but you gotta you gotta have you you, you need to be honest with people about about what you're training them to do and what this stuff is doing to them i think when you show people they're like oh my gosh you know they're they're kind of left with their head in their hands about like i didn't realize i was being this and the reality is like once you're pickled you're pickled that's how addiction works there's no going back so you need to understand this is my kryptonite you know this is where i and so what do i do i turn my shit off and i put it away i leave it in the car because if it's in my pocket i've pickled my brain on technology yeah. i will open it up and start pushing on it because i want the hit it's kind of like you can't solve the problem until you realize there is a problem. Correct. And people Awareness. are being, yep, they're being manipulated and they don't even know it. So to them, there's no problem. Yep. What, they what's the problem? It. They don't see it. And so education and awareness, like you said, is 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 the key because once you do that, now you can have a conversation and say, Hey, do you notice these do you see this? Is this does this describe you? And all yeah. of a sudden they start going, Wow. How, how do you know so much about me? I don't. <laughs> but these are this is what happens when right. you're like, we're you not say, that pickled. unique. Yeah, we're no. not all that unique. There's trends. So, yeah. I, what I would challenge everybody out there, think about it and go, are you aware of what these this unfortunate type of tool is, is doing to you and those around you? Because awareness is the first step. So uh, they have a place. But it's not. It's the old saying. It's like the old saying. I I want to I want to work to live, not live to work. Same with the tool. It's there for you to 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 use it when you need it, not for it to be. A, I got to have it. I can't live without it. That's a dangerous place to be. Um, Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. So, with all that, my friend, I think we've come to another end. Any last thoughts you want to throw, real quick? It's just. Put the stuff away. Learn, think about how you can use this as a tool instead of be the tool. And awareness is the first. I do. We just, you know, we're repeating ourselves, but I think repeating is, is worth it. Just put the thing down just for a minute and allow yourself to go through the withdrawal so that you can recalibrate and refine yourself to be continued. Yep. And I will say it's okay to be bored. <laughs> so with that, as always, please give us a thumbs up, a shout out to your friends uh, about us, leave a comment, a review. We take it all. We want it all. Uh, if you have anything, please send it to podcast at lifteffect.com. We thank you. 
We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, have a great day and put it away. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Lift Effect Podcast. If you want to dive deeper into this episode and every episode, go to our website, lifteffect.com forward slash podcast. If you're enjoying the show, we would love it if you'd follow us on Spotify and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your support. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, all with the ID Matthew McNeil. This show is brought to you by Lift Effect, a clinical mental health and consulting company that assists air carriers, corporate flight departments, pilot unions, and commercial pilots by providing comprehensive psychotherapy and mental skills coaching services to pilots with mental health and mental performance related issues. Visit lifteffect.com, that's L-I-F-T-A-F-F-E-C-T.com to book your free consultation. And finally, this podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of counseling, psychotherapy, medicine, or any other healthcare service, including the giving of medical advice. No therapeutic or provider-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional psychological advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining advice for any psychological or medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on the Lift Effect podcast.